0: Welcome to Wisco Legacy. I'm your host, Corey Kundert. On Wisco Legacy, we talk to inspiring Wisconsinites to hear all about their life's journey. Today we have Larry Jackson. Larry is the founder and president of the Ben Jackson Foundation. He started this foundation back in 2018 after he tragically lost his son, Ben. Uh, Ben served in the United States Air Force. Uh, He was stationed over in Japan and tragically lost his life on base over there. From that, Larry and his family and friends created the Ben Jackson Foundation. And what the Ben Jackson Foundation does is it helps newly enlisted military members come back home to see their family. The Jackson family had a really special opportunity about seven weeks prior to Ben's passing, where Ben came home, Larry actually helped him get his flight home and surprised his family and just had a really great last week there. Uh, and then about six or seven weeks later uh, is when Ben passed away. And so what the foundation does is try and create those opportunities for newly enlisted military members and their families. And it's they, they've made such an impact. Uh, you'll see later on in the episode how much impact that the Ben Jackson Foundation has made uh, since its inception in about three and a half years ago. And with all that, let's dive on into episode 20 of Wisco Legacy with Larry Jackson, President and Founder of the Ben Jackson Foundation.
1: Hi, my name is Larry Jackson, and I'm the President and Co-Founder of the Ben Jackson Foundation and this is my Wisco Legacy. Larry, welcome to Wisco Legacy. Thanks very much, Corey. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah. So, Larry, you grew up in a multi-generational military family. Uh, you were you were part of the military as well. Can you talk about joining the military and talk about that multi-generational military family you come from?
1: Yeah sure my, uh, my dad uh, was in the Navy. Uh, he did uh, 26 years and retired from the Navy and that was really my first introduction to the military. Um, <clears throat> he was he was serving on active duty uh, as a recruiter and then uh, when I was growing up, Uh, he actually was stationed, I, we moved around a bit, right? So I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because that's where he was stationed. Then we moved to San Diego. Um, and then finally, uh, to Wisconsin really where I grew up, um, you know, all the way through college. Um, so he was in the Navy and when I was 10 years old, he had this, uh, he asked me if I wanted to do what's called a tiger cruise. So a tiger cruise is basically somebody, uh, on the ship um they're able to invite someone to come out to the ship with them and and spend some time on the ship so for example in 1980 he was gone for six months in the pacific um on a deployment so he invited uh me and my uncle and my cousin to come out to fly out to Pearl Harbor and meet the ship in in uh, Hawaii and then sail back to San Diego with him so I got to spend a week on a real live Navy ship out at sea. And I think from that point on, that's, uh, that's what I knew I wanted to do. What an incredible experience. Yeah. And uh, probably, probably a lot of memories. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of the multi-generational family, um, my uncle that came with, um, he was just one of the people in my family to be in the military. He was actually, um, he was actually a second Lieutenant in the army um, and was at Normandy the day after D-Day. Um, so he, at that time he was retired and he took his son and myself and, uh, and went on that trip, which he really loved. And really, if it hadn't been for my uncle Joe, I, I don't think I would have been able to make that trip. So that definitely less, left a lasting impression on me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, let's fast forward a bit your, uh, when did you enter in the military?
1: So, uh, I graduated high school in 1988. And then I was, uh, really because of, you know, my dad being in the Navy really interested in going in, he suggested that I look at a ROTC program. Um, so I applied to, for an ROTC college scholarship, uh, to be commissioned as an officer in the Navy. Um, I got a three year scholarship. So I went to Marquette university in Milwaukee and, um, after So going through ROTC for four years, I got commissioned into the Navy active duty in May of 1992.
0: Um, yeah, those, the ROTC programs are an incredible program. Uh, you find them in a lot of universities and, uh, it's a really great pipeline for, uh, the
1: military. You talk about your experience in the ROTC. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I, from age 10 to age, you know, 18, when I started, um, I had really, really looked forward to getting into the, into the Navy specifically. Um, so I was very, very gung ho about all of that, you know, so I got there and, um, you know, I, I tried to put as much effort into, uh, things as I could. I tried to do the extracurriculars. Um, I was on the drill team. Um, I, I, most of my friends were, were also ROTC. I tended to just hang out with the other military, uh, people. Um, so got to go on some pretty cool things. Like we went to Mardi Gras a couple times for drill tournaments, uh, you know, took a bus from Milwaukee down to New Orleans. Um, during the summer I got to do these, um, summer cruises. So I did a, a four week cruise on the USS Wainwright in 1989. Uh, got to actually go to Guantanamo Bay, which I thought was pretty cool uh, for a yeah. day. I think it went to McDonald's there. Um, that was my biggest memory of that. Um, <laughs> and then uh, between sophomore and junior, I got to experience all the different parts of the of the Navy and a little bit of the Marines. So I spent a week with um, an aviation unit, a week uh, with submarines, a week learning about the surface Navy, and then a week learning about the Marine Corps. Um, and then my before my senior year, uh, I got to spend two months on a, on a nuclear submarine, um, for my summer. So that's where I turned 21, not the typical, uh, 21st birthday party that most people in Wisconsin have, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's, uh, th- those are really great experiences that I, that I remember, especially the two months on the submarine really learned a lot and was really, really awesome.
0: Yeah. Sounds like an incredible experience. So you said you
1: you were active duty uh, after college there? Yep. So I graduated from Marquette and got commissioned about a day apart. And then um, I went to Naval Nuclear Power School in Orlando, Florida. So I went through um, six months at Nuclear Power School learning to run uh, Navy uh, nuclear reactor power plants, or learning about the the theory of them, really. And then um, after my time in Orlando. So that would have been about January 93. I moved to Idaho Falls, Idaho. And they have this huge, um, out in the middle of the desert, this huge Department of National or Department of Energy site um, where they built back in the day all the old uh, first reactor prototypes um, far away from any civilization at all. So so I was there six months. Every day a bus would come, make the rounds, pick us up because you weren't allowed to drive out there. We spent an hour going out to this place, uh, doing a 12 hour shift and learning a lot of hands-on application or hands-on training of uh, nuclear reactors. Um, and then came back and did that for seven days and then had a day off and then uh, did rotating shifts. So sometimes I was on days, sometimes swings, sometimes nights, but uh, definitely glad I didn't have to drive home after those cause I was pretty tired. Oh, I could imagine. <laughs>
0: All right. So you um how long were you in the military?
1: So I um so I got out in I think October of 1997. Um okay. So I got to my first ship in 1994. Uh my wife Jen and I um got to Virginia um in 94, then I flew out to uh Naples, Italy and met my first ship there. Spent about okay. 4 months in Uh, the Mediterranean uh, during the Bosnian conflict where my ship was part of a a NATO task force um, tasked with um, stopping and searching uh, other ships coming into the theater to make sure they weren't carrying contraband or weapons in or out. Um, So did that uh, on the USS Bainbridge and then uh, decommissioned that ship and then went to the aircraft carrier, uh, USS George Washington. At the time, it was a four-year-old ship. Now it's much, much older. Um, so I was on that ship for about another year and a half. And then um, while I was in the Navy, had uh, my two oldest kids, Emma and Ben, and then um, was able to uh, get out right as that ship was going on a six-month deployment, um, and then moved back to, back to Wisconsin after that.
0: Nice. If you were to talk or kind of wrap up your, your military career and your experience in the military, what were some of the most uh, beneficial parts of being in the military, the most rewarding pieces of it?
1: Um, I would say the most rewarding thing was just the people that I met. I mean, really coming from Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's funny when I was growing up, I always wanted to get out of Wisconsin. And then I did. And then I realized, wow, Wisconsin's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's why I moved back. But just getting out of Wisconsin and seeing, meeting other people that weren't like me, um, that came from different backgrounds, different different cultures, uh, going overseas, seeing a lot of different countries, seeing seeing the good and the bad that there is outside of, of the United States, um, and just meeting so many different people. Um, it really kind of changes your perspective on 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 the world um yeah. and i just have you know have made some really really great friends in the military so uh yeah. yeah that that's what i remember the most um definitely shaped shaped who i am and, and continues to you know stick with me today yeah big a big part of your life
0: um so you mentioned you um you had Two children. I believe you have a third child as well.
1: Yep. After so, after we got back uh, to Wisconsin, uh, then my third, Matthew, is born in 1999
0: in Sheboygan. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Can you talk a, a bit about your family? Um, so you have three kids, you have a wife, um, I believe you, you moved eventually down to
1: New Glarus, Wisconsin. Yeah. So I got out, got out of the Navy. Uh, well, first family wise, um, yep. Married, uh, been married just about, um, it'll be 30 years next year. Um, so, uh, married to my wife, Jen. Um, and then we have, uh, three kids, Emma, Ben and Matthew. Um, and, Right now, Emma's a, a nurse in Milwaukee. She works at um, in a cardiovascular ICU. And then uh, Matthew is finishing up his uh, senior year at UW-Milwaukee, where he's in the film program.
0: Nice. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, your, your son, Ben, uh, also joined the military. He was, I believe, in the Air Force. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about... Uh, him getting into the military and, and following that family tradition?
1: Yeah, he um, he didn't really know as he was kind of approaching the end of his high school career what exactly he wanted to do. Um, so he, he knew that he really didn't want to go to college. Um, and then we talked to him about looking at the different branches of the military. Uh, so my wife actually took him down to the <clears throat> recruiter. Um, he actually really always liked airplanes <clears throat> so um so i think you know we thought maybe the air force of the navy would be a good fit um he was also really interested in snowboarding so uh there's far more places in the air force that you can snowboard uh, than there are in the navy um so he was starting to look at the air force talk to the recruiter my wife jen actually took him on a trip out to visit the air force academy at one point in uh, Colorado, which he was interested in checking out because Colorado snowboarding um, mm-hmm. seemed like a good fit. So he went out there and decided, um, you know, didn't didn't really want to go to to college, want, but was definitely interested in the Air Force. Um, he he went through the test. He took he took the ASVAB, and the Air Force basically came back and said, "You can pretty much do whatever you want." Um, so what do you want to do? Um, so he, uh, his top choice was, um, he wanted to do aerospace propulsion, which is essentially working on, uh, jet engines. So that's what he did in the air force.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Uh, can you talk a bit, I'm going to rewind just a, a little bit, talk about Ben growing up and what he was into and, um, what kind of kid he was.
1: Yeah. So things he was, uh, interested in, um. He, he was, you know, he played football in middle school. He got into baseball. Um, once he got towards high school, um, he switched from football to cross country. So he did cross country, um, all, all four years in, in high school. Um, he did baseball three years in high school and then his senior year switched over to played golf his final, final year. Um, so what kind of a kid was he, he was always really thoughtful. Um, in a bit of a, a bit of a perfectionist, um, there was, there was, one memory we have of him when he was quite young. <clears throat> I want to say around five and my wife was talking to him about, you know, what do you, what does he want to do? What does he want to be? And, uh, she said, you know, you could even be, you know, you'd be a good doctor. You'd, you'd make a good doctor. And he, he said, no, I couldn't be a doctor. Like, cause what would happen if I made a mistake and somebody got hurt? So he was always very much of a perfectionist, and I think <clears throat> I think that kind of attitude. Um, I think he I think he probably had. I never talked to him about it, but I think he probably had that attitude when he was working on, you know, in the air force working on engines and thinking about, you know, he's got to he's got to keep those pilots safe and make sure that engine's going to work. Um, so yeah he he was just always so so smart um he never thought he was smart he he would never call himself that he he really didn't think he was, but um, just the way his brain worked, it was just like on a whole nother level um he was always building things like with wood- uh, woodworking he built a a long board that he um you know cut all the individual pieces of wood, he built the mold um glued it together to shape it <laughs> um I remember one time he was trying to explain to me how a a transmission works in a car. I just, I just could not understand what he was telling. He got it. Of course, you know, and I like worked on nuclear reactors for five years and I couldn't understand how a transmission worked. but he, he was able to, to, you know, figure it out just by watching like a couple of videos and then he just instantly Mm -hmm. got it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was him, him growing up. Um, just, uh, I was really concerned about other people and, and that really kind of, um, transitioned or just went with him as he got into the air force too, as we learned about later.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, he was in,
1: in the air force and he got
0: stationed in Japan. Is that correct? Yeah.
1: So he got through basic training in, in, uh, San Antonio, Texas. And then he went to his tech school in Wichita Falls, Texas. Um, and then he, Uh, then he was stationed in Misawa, Japan, which is a base up towards the Northern part of Japan. Um, so he went to Japan in February of 2017.
0: Okay. And I know, um, one of the main or the main reason or, or service you provide through the Ben Jackson foundation, we'll talk a bit more about this, uh, later is. Helping newly enlisted military members come home. Mm-hmm. And I know early on that is a huge challenge for early enlisted military members. They don't get quite as much money. They, they um, it's, it's probably a pretty expensive trip home mm-hmm. from a place like Japan. And so I know Ben had that same challenge as well, trying to get home.
1: Yeah, actually, um, I think it was, <clears throat> So January of 2018, um, he he had kind of messaged me and said, "Hey, I'm interested in coming home um, and surprising people. Can you help me out with a ticket?" You know, kind of. And then you know, looking into tickets, you know, like you said, a ticket from northern Japan to Madison, Wisconsin. Um, you know, it was it was in the almost two thousand dollars, which is about what they someone like ben would make in a month so um so it's a lot of money especially if you're coming home from overseas so um yeah i was actually i i pre covid i flew for work all the time so i had a lot of uh airline miles um so i was able to get him a ticket with miles um and, and get him get him home for a visit um so but, you know, not not everybody has someone in their family that has a lot of air, airline miles sitting around. So we were fortunate um, that, that I had that ability to to get him home for a, for a trip.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a, a really great video of Ben surprising his mom, Jen. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that that moment and that experience?
1: Yeah. So uh, once we. Once we kind of had all the things that, uh, planned, like I was literally the only one that knew he was coming home. Like I told no one, except I think the day before I told somebody at work. Um, so, um, we, we figured out when he would want to come home. And then, uh, I happened to be in Baltimore for a work trip. So I was actually able to arrange his flight so that my flight, I was flying home through Detroit, so I got. Uh, his flight that would also come into Detroit from Tokyo. And then we were on the same flight from uh, Detroit into Madison. So we didn't get in until we, you know, by the time we landed and and everything um, and got home, it was, it was after midnight and like nobody, nobody knew he was coming. Nobody knew he was there. So uh, I think at this point, Emma was in uh, Milwaukee finishing up her, Uh, senior year at marquette um so the first thing i did is um i I told ben to just go wait downstairs for a minute so i went into matthews room, woke him up and i'm like hey i need you to come help me with something so i come downstairs i bring him downstairs and of course you know he's still like half asleep and he just i thought he'd have this like reaction of like wow you know great to see you and hugging and everything and he's like what are you doing here (laughs) So once he kind of like figured out, he's like, oh, okay, so Ben's here, you know, that was, that was fun. And then, so I said, Matthew, I need you to like take a video of, cause we're going to go wake up mom next and surprise mom. So he got out his phone, sat on the couch, took a video. So I went in to go wake up Jen at this point. I'm like, Hey, can you come out? Can you come out in the living room? I need you to take a look at something. And she was really confused. Like, why would I, why would I be waking her up and the middle of the night to come out to the living room to take a look at something, but in her, because she had just woken up, she, she thought that I was like holding my arm strange, like, a, and she thought maybe, maybe, you know, I hurt myself somehow. Um, nothing I had planned. Uh, so I brought her out into the living room and then she looked over and saw Ben sitting there on the, on the chair in the living room. And then she just kind of like, let out this huge gasp and then hugged him and was just laughing. And yeah, it was a great, it was a great moment. Incredible moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And so how long was Ben home?
1: Uh, I think about six, six or seven days. Um, okay. So yeah, in that, in that time, like we ended up surprising several people and he, he got to see so many people, you know, so many family and friends. Um, he, he went back to, to New Glarus High School and and kind of snuck into um, the classroom of one of his favorite teachers and was kind of like sitting in the back, <clears throat> kind of like hiding. And then like his teacher didn't know he was there until like five or ten minutes. And he's like, "Who's that kid over there? Um, who, who is that?" And then he realized it was Ben. And for the rest of the class, he's told the other kids like talk amongst yourselves. And he and Ben just hung out and talked and you know talked and caught. Ca- caught up on, on what he'd been doing. So, um, but yeah, we got to go s- see family in, uh, in little shoot, grand shoot, why um, a lot of different, uh, got to see really almost everybody. It's kind of, kind of amazing, really, if you think about it in hindsight.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. And, uh, you're through the Ben Jackson foundation providing that opportunity for, for so many other people. Um, again, we'll talk about that shortly Mm -hmm. here, but, um, so Ben transitioned back. He had to get back into,
1: back to Japan. Um, he was there, um, for seven weeks. Yeah, I think it was about, um, yeah, six or seven weeks. Um, and then, so he was there seven weeks and then, um, and then one morning on Friday, April 13th, the, um, I, I was already, I was already at work. And, uh, and then just the car pulled up into the, into the driveway and Jen opened the door and there's two air force officers standing there. And of course she knew pretty much what that meant immediately without them having to say anything. Um, and then they informed her that, um, that Ben had been killed in an accident on base, uh, involving his motorcycle. That that had to be absolutely
0: challenging, tragic. And, um, but you had an opportunity to sit and sit back and reflect on the fact that he was able to come home just a couple of short months before that. And, um, I'm sure that experience is living with you forever, having him home mm-hmm. for that six or seven days.
1: And, and that was really, um, in a lot of ways, the inspiration for the foundation. Um, cause after, after he died, we're, we're just complete, like, reaction mode we don't really know what to do we're just kind of like going trying to get through every day um not really knowing what we're doing just trying to like make it like minute by minute basically um so we you know people we we just did what we had seen other people do right like um meaning put it you know wrote up an obituary put that out there and let people know in lieu of flowers, you can donate to the Ben Jackson Memorial Fund, which at the time we had no idea what we're going to do with it. We're just like, here, this is a thing you can give money to this and we'll figure out what to do with it later. Maybe about a month later, um, we were all talking, talking, you know, about what we want to do with that. And our youngest son Matthew said, you know, it was really awesome that Ben was able to come home. We should do that for other people. And that's, that's what we kind of knew. Like that's the, that's brilliant. Um, because I mean, every other idea we kind of kicked around just never really felt right. Um, but this was kind of like, yeah, this is something that, you know, we were fortunate enough to have that opportunity. And we know how hard it was for him, and that he probably wouldn't have been able to do it um if it weren't for you know me having the miles to get him home so um <clears throat> we thought that was a really good idea, so we thought you know we had thought about you know scholarships and and it didn't really seem like the right thing for Ben because Ben didn't go to college, but um in fact he he didn't even go to the senior awards night because why, why would he, right? Like he wasn't going to get a scholarship. Um, but we thought, you know, people that go into the military don't often get a lot of recognition. Um, some, some high schools do a really good job of that, um, of just, you know, bringing them into senior awards night, but it's pretty rare. Um, so anyway, we wanted to, um, We wanted to to provide that recognition for people going into the military from Wisconsin high schools, um, similar to a scholarship where once they got to a point where they were able to take leave and come home, they would have this money available to use. Um, so that's kind of the inception of it and how it got started was we, we wanted to kind of make it, we were gearing this towards, um, seniors going into the military who maybe hadn't graduated yet. So. We actually knew a few personally that had recently gone in or were about to go in. And our first couple of awards um, were really, it's probably just a month and a half, like early June. Um, and we had, uh, there were, they were uh, people Matthew knew. Um, so at Matthew's high school graduation party, we gave out our first two awards to some local Nuclaris uh, kids. Yeah, that's
0: great. And you're serving in need in the military community. I don't know if there's many organizations like yours around the country that help provide those uh, those flights back home for those newly enlisted military members.
1: Yeah, we kinda you know, we kind of expected to find that there were other people doing this, but we haven't I don't think there are, at least we haven't found any yet. Um, there are programs that are available for if you're, um, in the military and you have a, you know, immediate family member pass away. Um, you can get some funding to help get back home. Sometimes you can get the funding, but you have to pay it back. Um, but there was really nothing like this that just said, you know, Hey, you're stationed far away. You're 18 years old, 19 years old, or whatever the case is. Um, I mean you're in a brand new environment you're with a bunch of people you don't know your entire support structure that you had growing up is gone um or at least not there um with you um we thought it was important that they have the you know we never wanted money to be a reason why somebody couldn't make that make that trip home Mm
0: -hmm. it is a tough transition to get into the military too and um get stationed somewhere. I'm sure you probably went through some challenging times in that. Can you talk about that transition, at least in your experience?
1: Um, I mean, I think my transition was probably easier in that um, I kind of had four years of ROTC to kind of like make a really gradual transition into the military and just coming from a military family. I, I, I more or less knew, knew what to expect. Um, I think for a, I think Ben's case is probably a lot more common. Um, You know, Ben basically left small town, New in Wisconsin uh, one day. And next thing you know, he's in Texas. uh, You know, getting yelled at by uh, military training instructors. Um, Just a whole different environment. And then really from that point on everything, everything just changed for him. I, I think when he first got into. Um, just based on his letters and talking to him after the fact, when he first got into basic training, he kind of had that moment of like, what have I done? (laughs) Why did I do this? Um, but you know, I think that, I think that's really common as well. And then when he first got to Japan, that was really tough for him. Um, it was, you know, again, a completely new environment. Not only are you halfway around the world physically but you're 14 hours ahead, which means there's a very limited window of time where you can actually talk to somebody at home when you're both awake and you know somebody's not working. Um, so that also made it really difficult. Um, so when he first got to Masao, he really, really didn't like it there. Uh, it took him quite a while to kind of acclimate to get to a point where he was really enjoying his time in Japan. But yeah, it's just for somebody and he was older than most going into the military. I mean, he was, he was, uh, let's see here. He would have turned 19, um, before graduating high school. So a lot of, so he was, he was older than, than many. Um, but just being, being that young and being that far away and then having those kind of responsibilities and it's, it's a lot. And, um, Then, you know, fast forward to the last couple of years now, now throw COVID on top of that, right. Um, that's even worse because a lot of times they, not only could they not leave to go home for a while, they could, sometimes they couldn't leave their base or even, you know, know, I've talked to people that are stationed in Germany. It's like they can leave their house to go to work, go to work and they have to go right back home and they're really not, um, allowed, you know, so you have all these people like not coming home for holidays. Um, not coming home for other events, um, A, because they're in the military and they can't, and B because COVID just made it that much harder. So we like to tell people like, imagine what your life was like in COVID. That's what the military is like without COVID. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're not coming home and you're not seeing your family and you're missing holidays. Now throw COVID on top of that for someone that's like isolated and alone in a, in an environment, and it's just really hard. And they, you know, we believe that they they should have the opportunity to come back um, once in a while or at least once back to that support structure that they that they don't have anymore. Um, of course, they develop new support structures, but especially when you're new, um, that that the one that you grew up with means a lot. Absolutely. So your
0: initial goals when you founded the Ben Jackson Foundation was to serve the state of Wisconsin. And it sounds like you've expanded that quite a bit. Uh, can, you, can you talk about the growth you've experienced through uh, the last four, nearly four years and then um, talk
1: about how you've managed that growth? Yeah, well, um, so really the, the, our biggest period of growth has just taken place in the last nine months. Um, everything really changed for us at the beginning of May last year. Um, so we had a lot of support financially, a lot of donors. Um, and our goal was to say, you know, give one of these out to every person going into the military from Wisconsin. What we found was it was actually very difficult to find enough people going into the military in Wisconsin, that would also contact us and apply for one of these. So for quite a while, we had more funding than we had people to help with it. Um, so at some point, you know, a year, you know, about a year ago, we started trying to figure out, you know, what do we need to do to, to really reach out to more people and then we realized that, that we wouldn't be able to find enough people just from Wisconsin. Um, and we, we wanted to go to where the need was. Um, I think a lot of times people, once they are planning to go into the military, they don't really, they don't really get it. They don't, they don't know what it's going to be like for, for real. Um, they, they think, okay, well, I'll get in the military. I'll have a place to live. Um, I'll ha- I'll be getting paid full time. It'll be awesome. Uh, and they're like, why would I, why would I spend time on, on filling out an application for something I probably can't use for a year and a half and by then I'll be fine. Um, but we knew that that wasn't the case. We knew that that wasn't reality for a lot of people. So we wanted to go, where's the need. And once they get to their base, then that's when it kind of clicks for them. Like, okay, now I want to go home and now I realize how, uh, how expensive those tickets are and that I have all these other expenses, and it's really difficult. So we contacted a couple of people that knew, uh, that we kind of knew through through Ben or through the people we'd met after Ben died, um, and talked to them about, hey, how can we get the word out? So we targeted two specific bases and said, hey, could you, if you know people that could benefit from this, whether they're from Wisconsin or not, you know, have them fill this out, send us like 10 people, um, and then we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, so what, what actually happened was, uh, so they sent the email to out to people and that email got forwarded and then reforwarded, forwarded and re to pretty much every Air Force base in the world. So, so, uh, I would say starting about May, like, it's almost like one day, it just everything changed. Um, so May 10th. Starting May 10th, we started, for the rest of the month, we started getting about hundred applications every day. So up until that time, we had been able to say yes to everybody that applied. And then starting, starting at that point, we're just, now we have to figure out how are we going to deal with all these applications and figure out, you know, which ones we can say yes to. And we had to come up with a process to deal with that because uh, we were just completely completely flooded and overwhelmed with applications which is awesome that we're able to reach more people and help more people. But at the same time, it's, we had to figure out, you know, how do we pivot now and, and uh, put something together that can sustain this, you know, how do we sustain this, this volume? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, it shows you the need for that. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: There's so many people out there that just need that, the financial assistance to get home and see their family. So, and that that's actually uh, one of a, the,
1: one of the, like, we always knew that need was there. We knew it. We just couldn't, we just couldn't prove it. And then, mm-hmm. and then once, uh, once we started getting a hundred applications a day, then really, like, okay. <laughs> so what,
0: what's the, yeah. What's the application process look like? And then what's that review process look like on your end?
1: So it's, it kind of continually evolves as we grow, but basically, um, they can go fill out an application. Uh, they tell us, you know, where are they from? Where are they stationed? Uh, some details about, you know, how long they've been in the military. Uh, have they been home already? Do you already have a ticket? Do you have your leave approved? Um, you know, how is this going to help you? How's this going to benefit you? Um, we, you are only, el- we only our eligibility requirements, are you have to be in the military less than four years. Um, And then the, you have to be at your first, uh, first permanent duty station. Um, so we, we kind of review the applications. We'll, we'll look at the ones that maybe aren't eligible and let them know. And then we have a monthly selection process where we go through the the applications that we've gotten in the previous month. And we, um, we kind of look at the individual, look at the individual situations and, and try to make make our best the best decision we can it's really uh it's an art not a science it's a it's um kind of a subjective thing um we we don't want it to be needs a needs-based thing we we always envisioned it to be more of a thank you for serving um here's something we can do for you um but you know listening or reading to reading some of the applications and, and seeing the stories um you know there's there's a lot of tough situations out there and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really actually, um, I hate to say it, but it's, it's a heartbreaking process to go through and read those applications because we get so many and right now we're able to say yes to maybe, you know, 10 to 12 every, every month. Um, and and just uh, this, this past month was a bit extreme. Um, it, it was our biggest, <clears throat> I wanna say our second biggest month yet, but we had eleven hundred applications. Wow. Actually it was closer to twelve hundred, but so now now we have a committee that's going through those and we have to pick out ten or twelve. You know? Wow. And, and so there's this, you know, you wanna say yes to everybody and there's so many people that really really deserve it and and really need it. Um, so it's it's hard. It's hard to say, it's hard to, you know, tell people. I'm sorry, we can't offer this to you, but on the other, on the other hand, you know, the people that we are able to help it, it means, oh, oh, the world a difference to them.
0: Absolutely. Can you talk about some of the success stories you had with, with this?
1: Sure. So, um, I would say a, a few stand out. Um, one there, we had a, a Marine that was in Okinawa. He had had this, he was one of the, um, he had had the award kind of in his back pocket that he could used for probably two years. Um, and then he had always planned to come home this past December. Um, but then he, he found out that his grandfather was not doing well and was, went into hospice. So he came home over the summer instead. So, um, so he got to, he got to come home and spend a couple days with his grandfather in hospice before he passed away. And. And we met him after that and gave him his check. And he told us, you know, like, like if it wasn't for this, I'd never would have come home and got to spend that time with him. Um, because again, you know, coming from Japan, that's, you know, pretty expensive ticket. So, I mean, we felt, we felt it was obviously grateful that, that we were able to help him out and he was able to spend that time with his grandfather, um, before he passed, um, another situation that comes to mind. Last summer, um, we had we became of aware we had applications from two airmen who were married to each other, uh, but they were stationed in different bases, and they uh, were trying to get home because her mother was in the hospital from COVID and ended up, I believe, passing away. Um, but we were able to help them out, um, get them get them back to to Texas, um, and and then you know we've had other situations where. Family members, grand, you know, cousins or grandparents have passed away, and and we do have a separate process where if there's an emergency situation, um, and someone from their chain of command reaches out to us, um, we can kind of um, expedite that application. Um, we actually had a donor that was a very generous donor who gave us five thousand dollars to establish an emergency fund that we're able to help uh, people like that in in situations where you know, it can't wait till next month review board. Um, just some really other inspiring, you know, uh, I'd like to just share a couple other kind of inspiring things um, or really things that make you think. Um, we've had a at least one person say, you know, we, we gave her an award for her to come home. And she said, uh, or actually, no, uh, I think it was him, but he said, um, I, w- I would thank you so much. I'd really like to give this to someone else who applied and didn't get it. He needs it more. Um, so we we're able to do that um, and, and get get someone else home, which was amazing. Um, uh, and, and then just a couple of comments that we've got in applications. Like there's so many just incredible comments. Um, one of them said, you know, this, I didn't know this existed. I've never heard of anything like this this makes us feel loved. Uh, and then someone else, similar concept, but it's, uh, you know, it, the, just the fact that this exists out there just makes us feel like we're not forgotten. Um, so so those are really some humbling moments to read, you know, just like, um, and, and these, these are people that are just like, I, you know, even if I don't get this award, like somebody deserving will, um, and I appreciate that. Uh, and then, just one other comment i wanted to share is um probably the one that like stuck with stuck with me um a lot because of what we what we talked about before about not being able to find uh people to help until you know because they don't realize they don't realize their situation until they get somewhere right so one one particular quote said um this person wrote, I didn't fully understand the importance of family and home until I couldn't go back. And that really kind of like sums up, you know, why, why we're here.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever just sit back and reflect on the impact that you make? I know with the increase in volume, it's probably a lot more work than you were doing initially. Do you ever just sit back and reflect on the impact that you're making on these military members and families?
1: I I try to yeah um, I try to you know some sometimes I'll take time and just kind of like read through the the applications that are coming in as they come in um, you know early on one of somebody on our board of directors said you know even if we help one person that'll be a huge success and and we've definitely done that um, we we've given out. At uh, this point, I think it is, uh, we, as of today, we've given out 224 awards, uh, and that represents 100, $157,000 um, wow. in, in our three-year three existence, three-and-a-half-year existence. Um, wow. So I, I never really thought we'd be where we were now, um, but, you know, we're just... I like the thing we're just getting just getting started. Um, in terms of you know reflecting, it, it, you're right. It's hard sometimes to reflect on to take that time um, to really reflect on what this means to and, and who it who it makes a difference for. Um, and sometimes we have to force ourselves to think about the people we're able to say yes to more than the, more than the people we are not able to help. But it's the people that we're, it's the people that we're have to say no to kind of drives us to, to do more and raise more money so we can say yes to more people. Where can we find more information about the Ben Jackson foundation? Uh, well, a few different places. So, uh, you can go to our website that's benjacksonfoundation.org. Um, and then. We also uh, pretty active on Facebook and Instagram, so you can find us there. So um, Facebook and Instagram is where you'll see um, information about a lot of the people that have been able to come home. So we try to post one or two um, photos of people who received a ticket home and were able to make a trip home uh, there. So you can kind of see, you know, uh, the impact that we're making there. Um, those are probably the best places to to learn about us and and kind of find our our presence
0: and if our listeners are interested in applying
1: or supporting through donations how can they do that so uh to make donations you can go to benjacksonfoundation.org donate um, and then you can uh make a one time donation or even better you can make a recurring monthly donation. We have we have some people that are um have a recurring donation that monthly the monthly amount they give means that you know over the course of a year somebody you know that that makes somebody come home, right? Like their monthly donations total up to to $500 for the year and that that makes us that lets us be able to say yes to one more person. um and then a lot of a lot of people will um, do Facebook fundraisers for us for their birthdays. Um, so that's another good way. Uh, we do have some merch online on our website that you can buy. Uh, we try to get out and do some events in the area as well. So and, and we will put those on on Facebook to let people know you know when we're going to be be uh, at places and where those are going to be.
0: Yeah. You're doing some incredibly inspiring work. Uh, I'm just so impressed with everything you've done. You've taken a, a tragic situation and turned it into an incredible amount of good. So really appreciate everything you're doing for uh, military members and families and, uh, just excited to see what the future is for Ben Jackson yeah. foundation.
1: I, 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 definitely want to mention, and this is, this is a very important thing. Um, we have so many. We have a lot of people that do a lot for the foundation. We're entirely volunteer-based. Um, so, aside from me, um, so is my wife. Um, our our family has done a lot in terms of supporting this, either through donations or uh, pitching in to do things here and there. Um, we have a board of directors that um, that is really been helpful. We just added, we just had added two more people to that, um, to that board, that one of this is a spouse of an active duty, a military member, and the other just retired after 30 years in the air force. Um, we have volunteers that, you know, uh, help us keep our financial, uh, financial things in order. We have, um, my sister-in-law, Emily, who's really been the longest term volunteer. Um, She's done so much to help us with our marketing and social media and really getting us to a point where, um, where we are today. Um, just a lot, a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't, you know, hear about that, that really make this, um, a a success. And I, I can't say enough about Emily. Um, there, there are probably times where, you know, if it wasn't for Emily, I might've like. Give it up, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but she, she really kept me going a lot of times, just knowing that someone, you know, someone was there that, you know, held the same drive to, to make this what it is. And I just can't say enough about the people that, that do everything behind the scenes. It's amazing. All
0: right. So I got three rapid fire questions for you. And then two final questions to wrap up our conversation. All right. So these rapid fire questions are about the state of Wisconsin. And so, uh, what is your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin?
1: probably have to be the Glarner Stuba in the glares. Uh, my wife and I were just there for dinner last night. Nice. I love it there. Uh, What is your favorite event in Wisconsin? Favorite event in Wisconsin? Um, me personally, I, I really like going to, I don't know if I'd call it an event, but going to Packers games Mm -hmm. Uh, or, uh, uh, went, went with Matthew to, to the Packers game on Christmas day this year. And, don't get there every year, but it's always a, a good time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Last one. Where's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin?
1: Um, honestly at my house or a uh, family member's house, yeah. you know, just, just, yeah. uh, being, being with other, other, uh, you know, just, uh, we're, I'm definitely more of like a home, homebody and, but, you know, like having people at our house or visiting family at their houses. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I have two final questions here for you. Uh, I know you've traveled ac- across the country, across the, the globe, um, but how has Wisconsin helped
1: shape you into who you are? Um, I think hmm, that's a, that's a really tough question. Um, I mean, Wisconsin is so much a part of my identity, you know, like I, like before, when I, I said I was growing up in high school, I couldn't really wait to leave and then I did. And then, then I was like, okay, yeah, I really want to come back to Wisconsin. Now, um, so many of the things about Wisconsin, um, that I didn't appreciate then I appreciate now. I just think it has a really, um, I just really appreciate, you know, the, the culture and, and the things that other people make fun of us for like being cheese heads or our accent or whatever the case is, I just. I just to really embrace that. Um, and, you know, I I don't really see us ever leaving Wisconsin at this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Last question for you, and you can tailor this towards yourself or the Ben Jackson Foundation, however you see fit. When all is said and done, what kind of legacy
1: do you want to leave behind? Well, I think in terms of legacy, um, it's really important to me that, Ben is remembered. So I think through this foundation, I want to make sure that um, everything we do as a foundation is um, remembered in such a way that Ben would be Ben would be proud of it. Uh, he was always interested in you know helping other people, however that was, um, and looked out looked out for others. And, uh, that, that's what I want. I want Ben to be known and remembered through the work of our foundation as a good representation of how he, um, was, uh, as a, as a person. So, Mm and, 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 and just on top of that, um, you know, we found out a lot about so many stories about Ben. From other people that served with him in the Air Force after he died, and um, he, he just really kind of inspired me to be more like him. So that's how I want that's how I want the foundation seen and and how I want Ben remembered. Yeah, it sounds like Ben left an incredible legacy
0: behind, and you're you're serving that legacy really well through the foundation. So. Really appreciate everything you did, and I appreciate you joining WSCO Legacy to talk about your your journey through this uh, this try this trying time. And uh, you're able to take that and just make an incredible impact in the the military community.
1: Yeah, thanks, Corey. It was really awesome to be here and get to tell everyone about you know Ben and the foundation and, and what we do, and some of the great people that are serving our country in the military. Appreciate you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining Wisco Legacy. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Larry,
0: for joining Wisco Legacy. You, your family, and the Board of Directors are doing an incredible service to these military members and families. Uh, If Listeners, if you're interested in helping out in any way, head out to benjacksonfoundation.org. There's a donate button there. If you know somebody who could benefit from this award, there's an apply button out there as well. So... Uh, go out and and have people apply for this and, and really help support the Ben Jackson Foundation as much as you can. Uh, they are doing some incredible work uh, in this this area and just really appreciate everything that they're doing for these military members and families. And if you enjoy this podcast, please head out to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and follow us at Wisco Legacy. If you enjoy this podcast, head out to Apple Podcast and rate and review us out there. That helps us get up higher in the rankings on Apple podcast and hit subscribe wherever you listen. Uh, that would mean the world to me. So thank you for tuning in to episode 20 of Whisco legacy.